Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Nerds Adulting Podcast. Today is a retro Sunday fun day episode where we're going to explore something that has a retro take on it and dissect it and talk about how great it still is or horrible it still is, apparently. Uh, seems to be like we're on a roll. <laughs> Ruthie and Josh, how are you all doing on this fine Sunday? Doing good. I'm, I would like to say that I have it off, but I don't. <laughs> I'm working hard. I'm working hard. So, but uh, it's still Sunday, so it's good. I'm working hard so I can get the night off. Awesome, Josh. What's up, man? How you doing? Uh, I'm doing just all right. I guess. <laughs> uh, no one's doing April, great. Everyone's just like a- meh. April, April, and I uh, had a long trip to IKEA yesterday. We got some little things for the house. That's when you were texting me, and I was like, "I'm driving, yeah. dude." I fucking because IKEA is like two hours away. We were there for like five hours. And then we had to drive two hours back. And then... Do you watch 30 Rock? Do I watch 30 Rock? Yeah. No. I oh know what God. it is. There's a whole bit about couples going to Ikea and how, like, no one can overcome the <laughs> the Ikea test. And, like, it's just a really fun, funny bit. Maybe it reminded <laughs> me of that. So congratulations. You have overcome the what, Ikea test. With, what's with what's the Ikea test? Like, all relationships fail, or they go crazy going into Ikea trying to pick on pick something because there's so many different options. It's just, it's really funny. Just, if you could find that one episode, I'll find it for instance, too. It's well, hilarious. Well, I, April and I, there's a lot of things in my home that are from Ikea. That, this chair here is from Ikea. Um, anyways, but we've, I feel like I've always seen this stigma about, like, I hate Ikea because it's so confusing I, sometimes I don't even have to read the instructions, dude. I just do it. So, <laughs> but maybe, maybe I, maybe some people are dumb. I don't know. I, I figure it out. And then the, the rule is that if I'm putting it together, April, leave me alone. And that's how we work it out. Part of, part of putting something <laughs> together is losing your fucking mind. And so I do it and April leaves me alone. She goes and does her thing and I bring it out when it's done and she goes, wow. And that's our process. <laughs> well, at least you have a common understanding. It's a huge part of marriage, yes, right? As long absolutely. as you all understand stand each other. But that's awesome. So you survived the IKEA test. Um, I'm happy your marriage has uh, not failed. So <laughs> <laughs> due to a store, awesome. yeah. Well, I mean, it is kind of daunting. I mean, I just went to rooms to go with my wife a few last month, and it was mm. quite daunting trying to make decisions on on stuff. Needless to say, we didn't buy anything because <laughs> we couldn't mm. pick something. <laughs> But uh, anyways, yeah, our marriage uh, succeeded that test, so I guess we're good there. But anyways, uh, today is not about how to succeed in a nerdy marriage, but it is about mm. the movie Hook, right? So we're taking a retro look back at the movie Hook, which was released in 1991, directed by Steven Spielberg. I'm super excited about this episode because I was pleasantly surprised revisiting this uh, on a few things. I'm very curious to see what you all thought and how it sort of affected you growing up or how big of a how large or small it was a part of your life growing up. So that being said, I want to jump into a little bit of the actors and the director and stuff and then we'll jump into the what the movie meant <laughs> to us and our memories. So I'm I'm just scrolling down my notes. I have way more extra stuff here. So you already dive into this episode because I'm really excited. Mm-hmm. Yes. All right, so excited. the movie, are you? You don't sound excited. I'm so excited to talk about this film today, Peter, with you on this retro fun day Sunday episode. There you go. <laughs> That's the Josh that I know. There we go. All right. All right. Um, anyways, so the movie, like I said, the movie is directed by Steven Spielberg. It was written by James Hart, which was interesting enough. Um, so star Dustin Hoffman is Hook, Robin Williams. We all know that. Julia Roberts played Tinkerbell. So it had a, had a pretty... Uh, pretty huge cast um so what did you all think about what do you all think about the the cast and who directed it i actually forgot that steven spielberg directed it for a minute there when i when i went to revisit this and look up the, the information about the movie so what do you all think about the cast and stuff josh i'll let you go um first on this one <clears throat> so i feel like there's no uh i can't think of anybody else to sit in those roles but that's because of you said how this film affected me, right? But because it was different for you. Because I was born just a few months before this movie was released. Right. Um, but after having watched the film, 
uh, when I was younger and watching it throughout the years. I've watched it a decent amount of times, like maybe 10, 15 times throughout the course of my life. And uh, I just can't see anybody else doing it. it. They just feel natural. And every actor is superbly, even the children are superbly talented. Mm-hmm. Great performances. And um, so that's one of the reasons I think that they couldn't have swapped out anybody for any role here. Um, Dustin well, Hoffman. Fun facts for you later on, but continue. I'm Dust, sorry. Dustin Hoffman <clears throat> does a phenomenal job at playing Hook. Great. He is literally nobody else can do it. Has done it better. Nobody. I'm sorry, Hugh Jackman, but no. <laughs> hmm. Ruthie, what about you? What do you think about the cast and and uh, the director and all that? I just thought it was funny that I completely forgot that it's Steven Spielberg directed this movie. Oh, I mean, I, yeah, I guess I don't always think about directors, but yeah, Steven Spielberg, um, the cast. I love the cast. Very good. Um, just legends, really. Um, and I also love that it, it had a good mix of both American and English, you know, because they did some filming in England, you know, like over there, like in the UK and stuff like that. Um, so I thought it was really cool that they had like a mixed cast as well. Cause you've got Maggie and Maggie's Dame, Maggie Smith and Bob Hoskins and, yep. and, you know, and those are very, you know, great legends over there. Great comedians, very classy, you know, old school. And then you've got <clears throat> Robin Williams, who I think is a legend all his own. Julia Roberts, Dustin Hoffman is one of my favorites. And yeah, his, his Captain Hook, uh, was just great. And honestly, I don't. I, I really, I I know I I don't remember I can't remember you you have fun facts but, uh, I can't remember if they thought of somebody else to play Peter but I really can't see any other adult playing Peter, the way that Robin Williams did I literally think he's the only adult that that could get into that kind of stuff you know because I also think of when he played um in that movie Jack. I was thinking the same thing. I was like, same <laughs> yeah, like exact I think thing he just, right here. I think he just has the ability because, you know, and I'll just also add that, like, I know people talk about like typecasting and stuff, but Robin Williams, he's got a face that just has like that twinkling boyish humor. Even like, at the age that he is. Even at the age that he is. He's a, even as an old older man, you know, like he just does. He's got like those eyes and those features and he's just got that look of wonder and not everybody has that. And that's fine. But that's another reason. You know, I know they talk about like, you know, physical natures and, and people, you know, and physical, you know, Hollywood is a place where appearances matter. And I feel that for him, a lot of his roles, that fact that he's got like that boyish wonder that he can have in his expressions. I don't think a lot of people have that at his yeah. age, especially. So those are my thoughts. That it, That's interesting. You no. Know- one thing about Robin Williams for me that really impressed me was his range. Like in the eighties and early nineties, he was well known for his comedy. But mm-hmm. when he got into other films, like there was this one movie he did called One Hour Photo. I don't know if you guys remember this movie. Yeah. Super Sigh. The Photo Man. <laughs> super creepy. Like no humor whatsoever in this movie. Man, amazing performance. The movie was eh. I would say his performance was wow. Like that was like one of the things that just really impressed me about him. Did um, you say we, it's called One Hour Photo? I believe it's yeah, one, one Hour Photo. It's called One Hour Photo. Yeah. He plays, yeah, an obsessive. Um, he's very creepy. Yeah. So he like he processes. Gotta, this is back in the day out. for you young children out there where you used to have to take <laughs> photos to the to the pharmacy or CVS or Walgreens to yeah. get them developed. And wait. <laughs> and then yeah. wait. So nowadays yeah. you don't like do Adam's, that. Adam Sandler's role in like Punch Drunk Love. Mm-hmm. It was super different from his other roles. Yeah. Well, he's so, yeah, he's but got he, a lot but he still too. but he still but he still fit in that role. Now, I'm not talking about uncut gems that that movie can go die. Oh my god. Can we can we please do an episode on that? Please. Can we just talk about it cuz oh my I just <laughs> okay, we'll do it. I we'll just it. watched that movie a few months ago. I have so <laughs> many thoughts <laughs> and they're not good. Anyways, <laughs> continue. Yeah. Um it was yeah. Were you going to say Oh, no, I was going to say it was you. You were talking about Robin Williams in the cast. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And then, so the last thing I'll add about the cast, like, one of the fun things that I didn't even think about was Phil Collins played the inspector that came after (laughs) the kids got kidnapped. I was like, holy shit. Inspector (laughs) Good. Yeah, Inspector Good. I completely didn't know about that. Um, Dante 
Bosco, who played Rufio. A little fun fact about him. He was in one of my favorite like B-movie action movies called Perfect Weapon, which is a Kenpo karate movie from the 80s, and he played similar character. And he also did the voice for Prince Zuko in the series Avatar The Last Airbender. Yep, so I know there's absolutely. a lot of a lot of avatar fans in our discord so i'm just throwing that out there i thought that was pretty cool um and there was one oh so you remember this is a funny little tidbit this is a fun fact but i'm throwing it out now so you remember in the beginning of the movies or when he first gets to neverland and hook was like he points at uh peter but he's actually pointing oh. at the other pirate with the gray beard yeah um, i know it yeah i know this fun fact go ahead yeah yeah yep. it's actually glenn close like yep. i never i didn't know that yeah, I didn't know that until I watched the movie and I did my research this week. And I was like, holy shit, that is Glenn Close. Because when I was a so, kid, I didn't fucking know who that was. I was just like, okay. So I, I didn't know that it was Glenn Close as a, young, as a younger uh, individual. But yeah. when I watched it, I remember being like, whoever, something's off about this character. Like, everybody else's makeup is flawless, but there seems to be a lot of... Like concealment, like they're trying too hard to make this person's face look dirty. And then when she screams like, no, not the boo box. And her teeth are all perfect. I was like, whoa, not a pirate. Yeah. (laughs) That's a woman dressed as a pirate. Yeah. But as a kid, I didn't know that. I just, you know, just watching the movie. You know, I'm not I don't pay attention to those things. But I thought that was really funny. It's like, holy shit, that Glenn Close was in this movie. Hmm. um, All right. So. The plot premise, I mean, everyone probably should already know this. Um, first and foremost, I want to say when I went back and rewatched this movie, I fully understood because I know we have a tendency to dive in and tear down things a little bit just as nerds in general. But right. so when I went back to watch this movie first and foremost, I'm like, this is a young kids movie, right? This is even though it's kind of violent if you think about it at the end. But yeah, people I went, get shot all the time in this movie. Shot and stabbed. But anyways, yeah. I went into it saying this is this is a ch- children's movie, a young kids movie, right? So I that's the, the lens I put on my eyeballs when I watch this movie because I don't want to I don't want to tear, tear this apart. I want to see. I wanted to mentally you know, watch it for what it was meant to be, so we don't tear it down in that in that regard. Because there's so many. I was thinking like, man, there's so many things we could tear this movie apart with, but I didn't want to do that. So the premise is Peter Pan grows is grown up. He doesn't remember being Peter Pan. He has kids, and they get kidnapped, and he has to save them, but he doesn't remember, so half the movie is him trying to figure it out. But I'm curious to know. So the movie released in 1991. Josh, you already alluded to how young you were. You were, you said you were just born before born. the movie, before the movie came old. out. I was eight when the movie came out, and I actually remember seeing it in the theater because my neighbor and their kids took me, who was my friend, they took us to see it in the theater. So I actually remember going to the movie theater to see it. And I loved it. It was great. We had it on video, so I watched it all the time. And it was just one of those movies I just loved as a kid. Like, I just, I absolutely loved it. Um, Ruthie, so Ruthie, I'll let you take this one first. What what did that movie mean to you growing up? And what was your experience with that movie as a kid? Um. So as a kid, I think, I'm trying to think my, because my experience as an adult is definitely different, like how you were saying. Um, but as a kid, I think... Um, for me, it meant a lot. The whole premise of like not growing up meant a lot to me because I grew up at a very young age. Um, I, me and my younger brother from the time I was like four, I was like cooking our meals and we were latchkey kids and I was taking care of him and it was just us a lot of the time. So I was kind of like mommy, um, in a lot of ways. So like, to me, it was cool to see a movie where like kids played and then like the food scene like all the colorful food was so cool. And, you know, even seeing the adults play and do things, you know, because like even I know there's the pirates, but like even Smee is like, you know, hey, Captain, you want to play with your ships? You know, and he's got like this big uh, pool in the middle of his floor with all the fake ships. And he's like, he's like trying to do it, you know, trying to. And you're like, oh, man, even even Captain Hook plays with like little pirate ships and has fun and has his little, you know, things. And then you've got. Robin Williams, a full ass grown man, like running around in tights and jumping around playing basketball and playing with all these kids. And, you know, it was cool to be a magical world where everybody just was able to have fun and use their imagination and be silly. Everybody was so animated too. the yeah. visuals, visuals like Tinkerbell, B12, 
being so small, but very spunky and had like, everybody had big personalities, I guess, over the top, very playful, very visual, very like physical acting. There was a lot of physical acting uh, in it that I think really brought out like the childhood, you know, vibes for, from all the right. characters. If you watch any of the, even the adult characters, all very physical, you know, just the way they walked around and stuff like Smee. If you watch him, the way he like walks and like bumbles around, it's so like over the top and he looks ridiculous. Yeah. But like that brings like that whimsical childhood, you know, it animates it more. So. Right. It's funny you talk about that because I'm, I'm thinking back to a, another movie that we talked about was the Goonies, which was like super over yeah. the top. But so I'm, I'm kind of jumping ahead here, but in retro, like retroactively or um, in a retrospective sort of take of watching that movie, I'm like, this movie is not good. But watching this movie, you're talking about all the over the topness, for lack of a better better word. It wasn't like cringy, you know, it wasn't dumb. It, to me, it sort of just fit and it wasn't like it it wasn't wasn't like nails on a chalkboard for my eyes. You know what I mean? It's like, sort of like yeah. how how um Goonies was. Goonies was kind of rough to go back and rewatch, and I remember it very fondly, and I didn't remember it that way, but where with Hook, it was like, okay, this is actually still a fun movie to kind of go back and watch, I mean, you know, and, and revisit. So that was kind of kind of interesting when we when I compare those two. Um, Josh, yeah. Josh, you said so. You you saw this movie probably well after it hit hit its mark or whatever its popularity, this peak popularity. So you probably saw it later on, maybe on TV, maybe someone showed it to you. What was your experience? How did you see it? What did you think about it? Like, what was it for, to you as a child? So I up? I don't I don't recall. Uh, specifically the moment I watched it mm. for the first time. But I do know that I watched it as a young, like, under 10 years old. I must have watched it. Sure. Um, I may have even seen it before that and just cl- really don't remember. Um, but the film, even when I was young, I understood, like, I had the understanding of what was going on, so... I I knew that I had already known the story of Peter Pan. Like I knew that and I had been read the books and I had seen cartoons and all this stuff. And I loved the idea of this of what this movie was. Because it's not a Peter Pan story like with meeting Wendy and them going off on their own adventures and you get the Peter Pan from the book. This is like an expanded universe type of story. And it was so interesting to watch how you take something that was so deep in this world and really like the main, like the, the big kahuna of this world and removing him and seeing how the world changes. And it doesn't. The only thing that changes is that he's not there. The world doesn't change at all. Everything stays the same. There's no turmoil. There's no, like, you must, you must uh, uh, make everybody imagine again. People are still doing that. The magic is still there. The only thing, the only person that the magic stops for is for Peter. And it's such an interesting, like you said, Goonies was cringy, but... This film, with all of its whimsical, magical, it's, it fits the, the things you would call cringy, fit because of the, the way the film is, is portrayed. It's supposed to be. You're supposed to be this whimsical, magical imagination. We don't need to eat. We think it up, dude. Like, what is that? And when you're a child, then it really reinforces imagination. On a whole scale, the whole film is magical. The whole film is magic. Yeah. So, it, mm-hmm. I, I, I don't remember, like I said, I don't recall exactly when, but I do know that I watched it when I was very young. And you loved it. And I loved every second of it. <laughs> um, yeah, I think you both really hit it on the head. I completely agree with, with both, both of you. It's just really uh, like a feel-good movie. Uh, there, for me, I really liked Rufio. Like, even though he was a prick, kind of a dick, you know, as a kid, I wish I had that 
that cockiness or that confidence to be able to be that way, you know. And I like the actor, obviously, because he's he was Filipino and I was mm-hmm. Filipino, and he was into hip hop, and um, he actually did spoken word on some show. I forgot what it was where they would do it. So I was really, I really liked him. He was someone I could look up to as as an Asian, you know, kid growing up because there really weren't that many. Besides Lou Diamond Phillips from La Bamba, I mean, what other Filipinos <laughs> were there for me to look up to or, you know, aspire to be? So I kind of, I just really liked this character and uh, it's just, you know, he's, he's like the alpha, right? And so I kind of felt right. for him. I mean, maybe I was the only one and that whole scene was great when they're at the, you're talking about, you were talking about the dinner scene and Peter started coming into his own. They're having this, this, uh, back and forth of insults. And then you can just sort of see like his eyes tearing up and he was like, no, Rufio. Rufio, like I just love that character. I love the way it's portrayed, and then his his death. Uh, spoiler alert for those of you who haven't seen. Right. <laughs> spoiler alert for a night for a twenty though thirty year old movie. Uh, when he died, man, I I, mean, I kind of cried when I was a kid. You know, I wasn't at theater. I like, tried to hide it. You know, like I got something in my eye. Like it was like really sad. But it, watching it now is kind of funny because it happens like so quick. Like after it, and then Peter's like, "I'm just leaving with my son." Like, nah, dude, he just killed Rufio. You gotta kill Hook. But I, I just, I really, really liked the way everything was done in that movie. It's just fun, you know. It's just a really fun movie. If I describe it, which was done in a way that sort of aged well, versus something like Goonies, which is like, ah, that didn't age very well. Like adult going back and watching it. Um, actually, that brings me to a question I wanted to ask you all. Uh, what was your favorite parts of the movie? Like, what was something that stuck with you when you think about when I say Hook? When I said let's do a let's do a show on Hook, like what was the first thing you kind of thought of? What were some of your favorite things, Ruthie? I'll let you go on. Uh, well, I, uh, so I don't want to like jump ahead or anything because I know like we're gonna kind of do like a how does it hold up or you know and like how do we view it now? Because sure. when you say Hook, one of the very first things I think of is like. Now as an adult, how I relate to Captain Hook more than I do um, <laughs> Peter or any of the Lost Boys. Um, so uh, I love him. His whole role is tremendous. Um, we'll talk about that. I guess, obviously, I think one of the first things I do think about is I think about like the food scene. I think it's still one of the most iconic food scenes in any movie um, because he's watching them eat nothing. He's pissed off. He's tired. And he's just like, there is nothing, you know, and stuff. And these kids are just like going at it. And then when he finally plays it, the, just the spread is like all colorful and you've got food that's like laid certain ways to look like weird meals, but it's really just like normal food just looks like weird beast food. And, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Um, so that was cool. Um, so I think of that. Uh, yeah, I just think of that and I just think of um, visually, I just think it's really cool. It's such a Spielberg movie now that I think about it. Like, it's just like the, tr- I think of the Lost Boys town, like the, and then the pirate town, how like they're so distinctly like pirate and like jungle Lost Boys. Like, they're so visually, you know, different, you know, like literally, uh, it, it's so cool. The two different sets. I probably like, I don't know. I just think that those are really cool. I think um, that, it's funny you bring that up because I was wondering, like, wow, that's crazy that they actually because I don't think they would do that nowadays, like build an entire set just for no, that. No, no, no. That's way too right? much money. Yeah, that's way too much. Yeah, but you would just go to an it. island, or yeah, or green screen it. But you would actually go to probably an island and do it, film it there somehow, and build some stuff on an island instead of building a complete set. And it also reminded me of Goonies, that pirate ship. I'm like, man, Spielberg. Yeah. Spielberg really wanted to be a pirate because he really he did really good. Pirates he did the really, best. Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah, um, but he. I was just want to bet the really... the hook ship is like a recycle. <laughs> they just use the ship from they, Goonies. They cracked it open. <laughs> Retro, yeah. retrofitted a giant skeleton on the front. Yeah, right, right, right. Hey, it <laughs> saves money. Yeah. <laughs> um, which is interesting. You brought up money, Josh, because this movie surprisingly didn't do all that. It did good, but it didn't do as well as they had thought. So the budget was seventy million dollars domestically. It only made about one hundred twenty million. So it it made fifty million domestically, and then worldwide it was about another one hundred twenty million. Overall, it says it made three hundred million total 
but they really thought they had something. It wasn't like a, a surefire hit. Actually, I think the Adams Family movie that came out had a lower, smaller budget and did more money. And so I think they were kind of disappointed yeah. with the box office. But um, anyways, what about you, Josh? What were some of your favorite moments from, from the film you think of Hook? So my all-time favorite scene from this movie... I mean, the food scene is fun. The part where he's training is fun. Um, the final battle is cool. But my all-time favorite scene is when Pockets is feeling his face. There's something about that scene that's so tender. Like, it's so moving that this young child, you know, uh, walks up to him and gives him, he starts just touching his face because nobody remembers him. Nobody believes that it's him. And this scene is so intimate where he's feeling his eyebrows and pulling his face back and playing with his face. And Robin Williams, he plays that, that scene off so well in the sense that he feels really surprised, like, what, am I, what do I do? There's a child touching my face. Am I going to die? Is he casting a spell on me? Like this... this this look of, of bewilderment and, 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 and surprise is, so, is done so well. You truly believe that, like, this is very serious. Like, you better not move, dude. Like, these guys are watching you. And the music that goes along with it and how serious um, the child plays the scene. I forget the actor's name. Isaiah Robinson mm. is the actor's name. The, how serious he gets. He doesn't break character. He has this look of, con- not confusion, but like he's definitely searching. He's really trying. And it was just such, for a child to portray that amount of serious, like that serious of a tone at the age that he was, like, good on you, dude. And that's always going to be like my favorite. And then he turns and he's like, hey guys, it really is him. And he's like, there you are, Peter. Like, and he, like, because he finally recognizes him. And it's such a, I don't know, I feel like it's such a beautiful scene. And it's definitely going to be my favorite when it comes to this. No, I think you're, yeah, it, it's a great scene. The, the tone is hit perfectly. Um, it's just, a, and then they go into the little argument back and forth afterwards where he, gra- he draws, Rufio draws a line. It's just, overall, the whole scene is great. And he's like, there you are, and then everyone's like, oh, they all start start touching his face. It's a it's an amazing scene for me. Actually, <clears throat> I think my favorite scene is when Peter's back, and then Rufio goes. He says his line. Oh God, I can't remember the line. But at the end, he says, "Can you crow?" And then he crows, and then like all the like Peter's back. Like that gets me all amped up and hyped watching that. Like the music that's playing, like the dramatic music playing in the background. Like yes, you know Peter Pan is back. Whole, the whole thing, and he does the crow. I'm not gonna crow because. Pan. but right. um <laughs> um that was probably one of my favorite scenes uh, but for me what i remember most about the movie like my favorite memory is just robin williams just his performance in the movie i just loved it going from that jerk ass dad in the beginning of the film to peter pan by the end of the film is like this incredible journey that we got to to visit and ruthie you you were talking about how you kind of relate more to hook as an adult now i'm like i feel i feel like peter not not to that extent you know i'm not yelling at my kids you know on the phone uh-huh. but, <laughs> oh yeah that's like very meta right i feel like peter <laughs> um, you are but when peter he's on peter. the phone and the kids are going crazy and being goofy i'm like that's me like that that my kids never fucking bother me when i'm in the bedroom but when i get on the phone they come in there and they want to play and they want to be crazy <laughs> but you know like <laughs> That's almost like every parent feels like that. They just want to snap. Be like, "Watch your shut the fuck up!" But we would I mean, good, good parents. <laughs> good parents wouldn't do that. I don't say that to my children. You know, like I wouldn't say, you know, "Would you shut up?" But I can relate to that feeling of, you know, just overwhelmingness when you're on an important phone call and your kids are just kind of going crazy. But then you see that journey of him kind of like realizing, "I need." you like, there was a line where his wife says, "We don't know how long they're going to even want us to be a part of their lives anymore." So true because there's that's a really small window and watching my children grow up that hit me pretty hard like recent watch this movie last night and she said that because it's true like if you think about when we were kids like when i was maybe between eight to maybe 12 years old i wanted my mom and my dad to like be with me and do stuff with me but then by the time i was 13 14 15 no nah, man i want to do shit on my own that was like a very like like re- revealing thing that i didn't even think about like with my own kids They're, my daughter's eight 
about to be nine. My son's about to be twelve. Like, man, like my son's almost time. Yeah, my son's as t- almost tall as my wife. You know, he's like wow. Yeah, he's almost tall as my wife. You know, it's crazy. He's twelve, man. Like, you know, I know you haven't seen him in a long time. He was real small yeah. last time you saw him, but it's just crazy. And that just really that line really kind of hit me hard. Um, but one thing yeah, I want to yeah. say. Oh, what, were we going to say something? No, 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 no. I was going to say, last time I saw him, I could chuck him. But Yeah, yeah. That's like, probably, toss him. <laughs> now, probably not now. <laughs> Dude, his feet are like as big as my feet almost. I wear a size 12. And like, he's like, his feet are bigger than his mom's. But just, wow. So I think watching this movie really made me reflect on that, being a parent and watching my own, own children grow and kind of reflecting back on myself growing up. But the main thing I remember so much about this movie is just Robin Williams. And the transition we saw, which was great. Um, the one thing that I was thinking about when I saw this movie was Steven Spielberg loves his crotch joke, doesn't he? Yes. <laughs> With the yes. arrow and the groin. He gets shot in the arrow, and then <laughs> the flower sniffs him. Yeah. The, I don't know. Maybe that's just the early 80s, 90s things, but I guess it's kind of like a trope now that's played out. But I was like, man, Steven Spielberg really likes his crotch joke. Yeah. All right. I got a few fun facts I'm going to toss out there and see what sticks, what you all want, want to you know, discuss. But the first one I have is this movie actually got four Oscar nominations, but it didn't win. I'm not sure if you all knew that. I did uh, not. It got too young to be. I was not yeah, who paying attention to the Oscars when I was a kid. <laughs> right. Yeah, 100%. And also, I have, I have personal issues with award shows and things like that just the industry jerking them so each other off so that's how i feel about it but right. sure anyways it's still looked at it could be looked at as a prestigious thing um so they got it was nominated for best art direction set decoration best costume design best effects visual effects best makeup best music and original song which i don't know i don't know what song that would be i have to go back and play that. So, mm, we'll f- um, we'll figure it out yeah so here's one interesting fact was the film was actually delayed by Steven Spielberg because he didn't want to be an absentee father. So I thought that was interesting. He actually pushed it back because he didn't want to be with his kids. Says, this uh, is that, that the fact that you said that is actually going to tie into my final thoughts, but I'll let you finish. Okay. Um, so you were referring, Josh, you were referring to someone else or was it you, Ruthie, who was saying you couldn't see somebody else playing Peter Pan. But so... Michael Jackson was apparently Spielberg's nope. first choice. Nope, Can't <laughs> for do the it. lead. But he was to, uh, who someone turned told me. Could, I think Spielberg said he couldn't do it because it's a father figure. So he said Peter Pan's not five. So that's why Michael Jackson couldn't do it because he was really young in '91, probably like in his, you know, early mid to late twenties. I forgot how old how old he was. Yep. back then. Um, the original director, Nick Castle, who also directed The Last Starfighter and The Boy Who Could Fly, was originally supposed to direct it. He was paid $500,000 not to direct it, apparently. Um, uh, just a couple more here. So the teenage Wendy, when they were going back to the flashbacks, was played by Gwyneth Paltrow. And yep. mm-hmm. um, Carrie Fisher actually wrote some of the... Uh, Tinkerbell's character, she came in after the fact to help write because, you know, she's an an established writer. She was an author. She had a whole series of books. So Spielberg brought her in to write because he was having trouble, I guess. He didn't think their characters were fleshed out enough. So he brought her in to do uh, Tinkerbell's character to add some more stuff to her. So I thought that was kind of interesting. So That is interesting, yeah. I'll let you all pick and choose which fun fact you want to discuss, and we'll go from there. Ruthie, did any of those stick out to you? Um, not really. I mean, a couple of them I knew. The other ones I didn't. I, I was just laughing because uh, I was looking at Josh's face, and when you said that one about the director thing, somebody being paid not to direct. Yeah, that's, face that's was the like, one. I, that's the one I want to <laughs> get on. Like, what? Who was the director? Uh, Nick Castle. So he did the okay. last Starfighter. I don't know if I love that. That's another movie from the eighties that I fuck. I don't love. think I've ever seen that, but I'll I'll. Uh, if I Dude. have, if I start watching it, it'll it'll click if I have or have not. Okay. Let me tell you about The Last Starfighter, if you don't remember. he's It's about a kid who plays an arcade game and has, like, the highest score ever in this town. Turns out the arcade game is a training simulator for pilots, and it turns out to be an intergalactic war, and he goes, he gets recruited, and he goes into a, a battle, like a, a war across the galaxy. 
are the controls the same? I don't understand it. No, because the controls All right, good. are good. So okay, so then the, same, he, the kid but... dies. <laughs> Okay. I'm just saying it's an inter- <laughs> interesting premise being gamers and all, you know, like that he right. had a higher calling because he was good at a video. But anyways, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I want to know more about that. Like, why would like, did he was he like a shoe in to direct it? And they're like, dude, no, don't. I so, don't. He was I'm going to working... tell your mom if you don't let me direct <laughs> this movie. Look, man, I'll give you five hundred thousand dollars if you don't direct this movie. All right. So from what I could gather, he was actually working with the screenwriter Hart to get the movie made uh, with Columbia and TriStar. So then Sony bought the company and put someone new in charge, Mike Metavoy, uh, who was Spielberg's agent at one time. I don't know if this was what he was. Um, so he sent the script to Spielberg, and Spielberg was like, I want to direct it. So I guess there was like this huge issue, maybe a legal issue that castle had with that movie uh like, yeah like directorial rights yeah or something, something or... going on legally they, they they had to pay him so he would just leave it alone and they... the castle mm-hmm. is taken off the project with a five hundred thousand dollar settlement and a story yeah. by credit along 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 with heart so maybe that was yeah okay step. okay so that, i think that might be a legal thing like you said it's just a weird sentence to say a director got paid to not make a movie what like yeah i think it was more you know, i think the way yeah. the title was it's not necessarily that's how it worked. I don't think they paid him not. He won it in a settlement more. So, and like, he, it wasn't like they just paid him to go away. I don't think. Right, right, think right, like, right, right. They had yeah. their hands. Kind of like a legal buyout. It's like they, they paid him for his time. I don't know. That's a huge mm-hmm. amount of money. <laughs> <to> write, <laughs> right. write a script. Some but people have been paid more for less. This is true. This is true. Uh, yeah. I was going to say something, but I don't think you all are sports fans. So, Bobby Benia gets a million dollars every day. In like May, he's a baseball player for the Mets, and he gets paid a million dollars once a year for like the next thirty years. Or like he's thinking he still has like fifteen more years left. He hasn't played baseball in like I don't know ten, fifteen years. But every his contract, he put they redid his contract. He gets it in every year. He gets a million dollars for like thirty years. That's crazy. okay. I was about to start freaking out because when you started that story, you said every day. Every year, if I said every okay, day, every I'm glad year. You said, if you said every day, billionaire yeah, up oh yeah. there. No dude. way, there's no way he would. Yeah. No, every year in May, someday in May, I believe he gets one million dollars. Is paid. All right. And he doesn't play baseball anymore. But it's, it's the dream. Yeah. yeah. Um. All right. So let's reflect. Uh. We'll we'll reflect and then we'll do our final thoughts here. So basically, reflection is we sort of already alluded to it. How does it hold up? Uh. Josh, I'll let you take this one first. Let's reflect. How does this movie hold up? I think the movie holds up well, even now. I think that the message uh, that it carries uh, still holds up. And it's still, even though there's no, there, there's still, because of the fact that it has like some technology in it, like cell phones and camcorders and going to plays and being there for your kids, like that all has, it all has strong merits now too, so... I think that the movie still holds up, and it holds up well. Everybody does a fantastic performance, and uh, it's it's relatable. It's nostalgic for adults, and it's it can be magical for adults that instill that kind of idea in their kids. You know, so I think the film still holds up and can still it still holds water even in by today's standards. Interesting. I I wholeheartedly agree with you, Ruthie. What about you? What is your reflection? How does this movie? Oh yeah, I think it holds up too. I think, um, and it, and I also think it, uh, a good thing about it, and one of the reasons I think it holds up so well is that um, kids, you know, from young kids up to you know old adults, um, everybody can take something away from it, whether you have watched it one time or you know eight million times. Just got like good fills to it, good messages, good visuals, just all yeah. around good movie. Yeah. It's interesting you bring that up because that's so true. As a kid, I had a completely different take on that movie. It was just about being, um, having fun and also understanding that as an adult, you have responsibilities. But as a kid, I'm viewing it as just like everyone should use their imagination. Everyone should have some fun at some point in time. But as an adult, it's sort of like sort of the same message, but, you know, that don't, it's more of like, don't forget about that. Don't forget about that part. It's always fun to kind of go back to be, you know, that's something that. That I definitely try to do. I mean, like I was, I was looking at all my T-shirts, right? So I have like this isn't the one. I have like a 
I had all my t-shirts laid out. I had like a Mario Brothers t-shirt. I had a Transformers t-shirt. I had um, uh, the One Up t-shirt. I'm like, man, like if anyone looked at my wardrobe, they would think that I was like a 13 year old kid. <laughs> so I try to. Yeah. I think I'm at, at the heart. I'm a I'm a child. You know, my my kids and I have a, have a good time with with. That. So yeah, it's definitely that movie definitely hits it on all all the feels for a grown-up and as, as a child. I kind of wish I would have watched this with my kids, but I feel like my kids may not like it. I don't know. Maybe I'll watch it with them, uh, this weekend, but as 100% uh, with you guys on that. All right, let's wrap this up. Let's have our, I guess it's sort of like our final. What are your final thoughts on this discussion, Josh? Ruthie, you go first. What are your final thoughts? Uh, yeah, so my final thoughts are... Um... I just really love it. Um, I guess the two things I'll talk about that my final thoughts are, I think um, I watched this actually during Christmas time. We had a joke like in my server, like let's watch Christmas movies that aren't really Christmas movies, but could be Christmas movies. (laughs) And Hook was one of them because it's like during the winter and there's all that snow and stuff like when they're, when they go to see Wendy, you know, and everything. And so, and, you know, and, and it's around that time of the year. Um, so we made that, but it's got good fills. So yeah, it's definitely like that kind of Christmas season movie. Um, but we watched it and I remember watching it and just like watching the moment when Hook has like his little melodramatic breakdown in his bedroom, you know, and he's talking about being old and bored and he doesn't have any fun anymore and he's tired of killing lost you know lost boys he's just oh, like oh i'm so tired like, of killing children he goes he goes well, you, he goes you want to go kill some lost boys and he goes i've killed hundreds of lost boys he's like having his like melodramatic thing and he and then all of a sudden he just goes goodbye and then he goes over there and he like pulls that gun and he goes don't you dare try to stop me yeah. don't you dare and he goes come and stop me smooth and he's like and he's like, he's what? Like, Smee, he goes, what are you doing? Yeah, Smee, what are you doing? And he goes, get over here. Get off your ass and help me. I'm going to kill myself. And he goes, this is not a game. He's like, yeah. He just has like this big tantrum. And I'm like, like I, I think everybody gets that. He literally is in a nine to five pirate hustle. Same shit every day. He doesn't have adventure anymore because when Peter left, he stopped having adventure. You know, like he didn't get those big epic gaming sessions, you know. Um, so he grew up too, like in a way, and he was just bored of the hustle, you know, so he wanted something exciting and I could totally relate to that. And then, um, which just made me giggle. Cause I was just thinking some days I just want to throw a tantrum like that too. I think everybody <laughs> does, you know, like just throw a tantrum Absolutely. and just flop and, you know, and stuff. And, um, and then the other thing is, is, um, something I noticed when I did watch it, um, it's like a very subtle message. But I know it's like we have responsibilities and stuff, but like Peter overcomplicates everything in the movie. Everything. It's all about these finer details that nobody else understands. However, everybody else in the movie, it just over and over in their own way keeps telling them it's simple. Stop. You know, just stop. Like in the beginning, like when the kids are throwing, like when they're throwing the basketball at his head, play. And he's just like, what do you want me to do? And they're like, play. And they're like throwing it at him. And then when they're sitting at the table and he's looking around and Tinkerbell goes, eat, just eat. You know, and he's just like, there's nothing to do. You know, like, it's just like everybody's like several times throughout the movie. Everybody talks to Peter like, it's not complicated. Stop complicating shit. It's very simple. Like, it's very simple. Life is very simple. And you're making it into something it doesn't have to be and it shouldn't be. And, like, that's a message that I picked up when I watched it, like, back in December and stuff. And, like, I'm an overthinker. So, like, I definitely, like, took that message to heart, like, this last time that I watched it. I'm like, we do. We overcomplicate things. We overthink millions of things. Just need to, like, balance it out and stop being so, like, you know, it's simple. Yeah, I was going to say, that's a very adult thing. I think a lot of adults are guilty of that. We like to overanalyze things, even if we just want to buy something... That's for our house. Right? At Ikea. We, At Ikea. Yeah. We like, like, we like, okay, what color do we want? Is there a better version of it out there? You know, like, there's something like simple as that, buying like maybe a mouse. Like, we 
okay, this one's cheaper, but this one has a higher, you know, um, DPI, yeah, whatever. And it's just like, this one's got more RGB. This one, like, so it's just like, it's very funny that you bring it up because I feel like as an adult, we, we tend to do that at times. And I agree with you. It's, it's 100%. We should probably take a, take a little bit simpler approach. I'm sort of of that mindset. If I see something, I buy, like we we're talking about buying something as an analogy, like my wife, she will go, she'll go balls to the wall, create a spreadsheet. She will go, you should have saw her when she bought this, bought this monitor for my, for Christmas. Big ass fucking spreadsheet prices. I was like, holy shit. <laughs> I'm just like, okay, what is it do? Okay, this is 1080p. You know, how many, what's the hertz? You know, okay, fair price. I'll, I just buy it. I try, I'm or another. That's, that's interesting that you, that you look at it and brought that up. All right, Josh, what are your final thoughts on this movie? Uh, when it comes to reflecting about the, the mixed messages, because it definitely has uh, more than one. To children, it's to retain, don't try to grow up too fast. Right? Because all kids reach that age where they're like, man, I can't wait to be on my own and stay up late and buy my own things. And now I'm like, I just want to wake up on a Saturday and watch cartoons and eat cereal. And not have to worry about anything. But then also has a message to adults. Like... Don't neglect the time that you have with your children because of work or because of your own selfish desires. I know that having a job is important unless you're that baseball player, like you said. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But um, it's important to give time to your children, to spend time with them because like he said, like it says, like, uh, Moira says, there's a time is going to come where they're not going to want to spend time with you the way that they want to spend it now. When it's your turn to want to spend time with them, they're not going to want that. Um, so it's like there's these dual messages. Don't grow up too fast and prioritize and cherish the time that you have with your children while they're young and share that imagination with them. You need to be that, that blockade that keeps them whimsical that maintains the magic and that film this film i feel does a wonderful job of that it keeps the whole film is magical from when uh they're smashing the clocks in the clock museum that whole scene is so powerful like explaining how like for my dad when he didn't do this kids really feel like that the angst is real and people just want to yell at their kids try to understand your children and from this to the scene when Smee is about to pitch the ball and he's like doing all these weird dances, getting ready to pitch. Like it's just all of this. It's just magic after magic after magic. And I think that the film is a wonderful thing that I don't think anybody should forget. And you should show it to your kids, Peter. You should absolutely show it to your children. I remember I showed never ending story to my son and he was just blown away by it. And this is a kid that like loves oversimplistic things like Super Mario and Plants vs. Zombies. But I showed him this ineptly complex film with a lot of uh, storyline going back and forth and characters and movement, and he was just glued to the screen. So I feel like children are a lot more, they can be, understand more complex things than we think, which is those films back in the day were complex. They had very serious undertones of death and killing and murder. And because he says, literally, I've killed hundreds of lost boys, but he doesn't say, he says lost boys instead of children, you know, like, but then at the same time, he demonstrates that he's, obviously it's manipulative, but he demonstrates that he's trying to care. He gives the attention to the children that their father didn't give. So, it's just, don't lose, this. the, the points that, I'm, that I get from it is don't grow up too fast, maintain your youth and maintain your imagination, don't let age poison you, because as they say in the breakfast club, when you grow up, your heart dies, you know, <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah. Um, Boy, that'd be and, another good movie to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, and give time to your kids. And that's those are my final thoughts on the film. I love the film, and I think I'm gonna make it 
a tradition to watch it more often now. Because it is... I it's, like that. Lit, it's literal film magic, this film yeah. is. So, I don't have a whole lot to add. I think you all summed it up 100%. I think it's been a really long time since I watched this movie. So, I, one, I was surprised at how deep the movie could really be. Like, when you think yeah. about it, the things that... Oh, well, you said the, the undertones of this as a kid, you don't really think about this stuff. At least, I mean, I mean, I'm eight years old. I'm not really thinking about how I'm, how my parents feel. You know, I'm gonna be twelve or thirteen. So, I think it's incredibly deep, and it can also be incredibly shallow for kids, which is a good thing, not in a bad way. You know, for for a children's movie. So it's not like because if you have a movie that's too deep, a kid's not gonna like it. If you have a movie shallow, so it's like a great blend of complexity right. and and worlds where I think kids and parents can and it's it's sort of rare nowadays nowadays and i'm pretty the sure that the adults the adults in the theater when you went to see it as a kid you're watching it going wow look at the pirate ship wow they're throwing <laughs> food at each other but the whole time the adults are like oh my god my kids they i fucking need to spend time with them fuck like you know so yeah yeah it's yeah it's just a really fun movie to go back i was pleasantly surprised because honestly i haven't watched this movie i was really I don't think I've watched it in the past 10, 15 years. I've had kids. So it's really, really special in that regard. And I'm with you. I'm probably going to watch this more. I'm definitely going to share it with. with... That, that's my final thoughts. But this was uh, an, an amazing movie to watch again. I'm so happy we did this. So happy mm-hmm. to talk about it. And I'm glad it was more of a positive thing because I felt like between Goonies and then the Mortal Kombat episode that didn't happen, it was just like, man, we got <laughs> yeah. to talk about something that we all like. So I was kind of happy that we all enjoyed this movie. So, yeah. uh, Ruthie, Josh, you all are amazing co-hosts. Uh, you are awesome. I'm so happy we get to do this every couple of weeks. So thank you all, mm-hmm. and uh, we'll see you again. Um, maybe I guess we'll talk about. Okay. Oh, uh, oh, Breakfast oh, Club or yeah. Last Starfighter? Last Starfighter. Yeah, let's do Last Starfighter. We talk <laughs> about Star Kid, dude. You remember Star Kid? Oh God. Oh <laughs> yes. man. All right. On that note, (laughs) (laughs) thank you all so much. It's been awesome. You all have a wonderful Sunday, and I'll see you again in the Discord. Everybody have a great weekend, and don't be shitty.